0: I boldly declare that I reckon, deem, consider, regard, and count as a done fact that I am dead to sin. I take authority over the flesh and command it to shut its mouth. I refuse to give it the right to rule and reign in my life. I am alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Sin is no longer my master. Now I am the servant of Jesus Christ. I so declare by faith in Jesus' name. How many know your flesh doesn't like it when you go to church? Read your Bible. Fulfill your destiny. I don't care what it is, but anything that has to do with God and your flesh is like... Ah, do we have to? And I want to show you why this morning. Go to Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. We read in this scripture, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dead to sin, but alive to God. You're alive to God. You and I are going to be dead to sin. Amen? Hallelujah. But our flesh will attempt to take charge of your emotions and take charge of your future and promote idleness. Everybody say idleness. If the devil can use the flesh... And the flesh's propensity is to be idle. In other words, if your flesh can get you to lay back and rest today and not pursue your purpose and destiny in God, he had a victory. I suppose the question is, who's in charge here? Your flesh loves being a couch potato. Doesn't want to worship. Doesn't want to pray. Doesn't want to go to church. Doesn't want to read its Bible. Doesn't want to pray in tongues. Doesn't want to be nice. Doesn't want to go minister. Doesn't want to do anything. It just wants to find a soft spot and relax. I call it laziness. You know you're lazy when on the back of your confession. Number one, inaction. You know that flesh is dominating your life when there is inaction in your life. It will cause me to sit and relax while others are performing tasks all around me. Have you ever noticed a family member that comes over for Thanksgiving meal and they kind of sit there and just enjoy the meal afterwards and everybody else is doing the dishes? And you go, man, I don't understand. They must be tired. No, they're always tired. They're like that every Thanksgiving. Well, no. What it is is their flesh is ruling them because the flesh will, will always embrace inaction. Number two. No energy. My flesh only allows me to do enough just to get by. You could tell when you're operating in your flesh and your flesh is predominant when all you do is just enough. In other words, you guys go to work, but when you come home, that's it. I'm on the couch. Don't ask me to go out and play ball with you. Don't ask me to do anything else. I'm not going to the store with you. I hate shopping. You know, all of those kind of things. In other words, no energy. Number three, we become careless. It allows others to keep my relationships thriving, alive and vibrant. In other words, you rely more on your spouse to keep in touch with the children than you do. It's the flesh. The flesh will always look for an easier way out. The flesh will always look for somebody else to do for you what you should be doing yourself. Number four, non committed. My flesh will create more work for those around me who are not lazy. If you are married to a fleshly spouse, you're working harder. If you go to a fleshly church, the volunteers that are working are working harder because of the flesh. It's not because the people don't love God. They love God. It's not because they don't love their church. They love their church, but they're ruled by their flesh, and thus they're non-committed. Number five, unused talent. The flesh never utilizing God-given skill or ability and failing to reach your full potential. The flesh will keep you Limited. It will keep you from reaching your full potential. We've seen this in so many cases. Young people have got skill, talent, ability. They go to school and they get subpar grades. They graduate. They go to college. They drop out. It's because the flesh is ruling and reigning in their life. And what the flesh will do is the flesh will keep them from from utilizing their talent. Number six, limited exertion. Always asking others to do for you what you ordinarily could do for yourself. That's fleshly. Number seven, procrastination. Putting tasks off for no apparent reason. I'll do it tomorrow. Why? Because I don't want to do it today. No apparent reason. The flesh always wants to put off what could be done now. You've got to recognize these tendencies in your life. Why? Not because we're angry when we're doing your work. Not because we're disappointed when you're not reaching your ability and talent. That's not the point. The point is we are grieving because you're being ruled by the flesh and Jesus isn't Lord of your life. Are you following me so far? All right. Number eight, jobless. They adopt an attitude that doesn't care if they're poor as long as someone else feeds them. Maybe you've got somebody like that in your home that came back to live with you and are very thankful that you go to work every day, Dad. By the way, what's for supper, Mom? That's the flesh. I don't think we have really have tied those elements together to identify what the flesh is, but that's the flesh. That's the propensity of the flesh. That is its, its uh, 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 definition. That's how it operates. Number nine, manipulative. Skillful at manipulating others. It is advanced at excuses or reasons why they just can't. When a person gives you reasons and excuses why they can't and they are advanced in that knowledge, that is the flesh. Because the flesh will always find a reason or an excuse not to engage. The last one, number 10. Number 10 it's a loner. The flesh relies on others to do while they do not they usually seek out capable people to do for them. In other words, they like being friends with go-getters. Because as long as the others are going to get it, and you're friends with them, they'll share some of what they got with you. And so be careful who you come in covenant with and who you permit to operate in your life when they're in the flesh. Now, let's look at this for a few minutes because I believe that the Holy Spirit is saying when we come into the presence of God every day, we've got to check our flesh in at the door. Left unchecked, your flesh will try to run over you and take charge of your life. The flesh possesses a loud mouth and it will always scream at you. Your flesh may say things like this. Are you kidding? You've done way too much already. Let somebody else in the church do it. Your flesh may say this. You know what? You're not even appreciated. You were at that oil change and they didn't bring your name up. I'm just going to make it real this morning. Because if we're going to identify what the flesh is, we want to make certain that it's crucified. Because as long as the, crucify, the flesh isn't crucified, Jesus isn't Lord. All right, right, amen. And I want Jesus to be my only controller. Amen. Or it may say something like this, You know what? You've been working so hard, you deserve to do nothing for a while. <coughs> Galatians chapter 5 and 17 reads this way, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. As long as the flesh is controlling, no matter how much desire you have to do what God wants, you can. Because the flesh is contrary to the Spirit. You follow me? And because of its contrariness, and it is in position of authority, it will overrule any desire you have to make an advance with God. Unless the flesh is put to death. And we're going to look at that in a minute on how to do that. But Galatians 5.17 tells us that our flesh lusts against the Spirit. In other words, if your flesh is in charge, it will sedate your whole outlook and destroy your productivity. I'm persuaded... We're operating in the church on about 20% capacity. You say, well, why do you say that, Pastor? Well, average churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Don't shout me down. Um, 20% of the people give 80% of the money. Don't shout me down. I'm persuaded we're operating on about 20%, which tells me that if we were to crucify the flesh, we could invert that statistic. And instead of 20% of the people doing 80% of the work, we could have 80% of the people doing 100% of the work. It would turn it around. We don't have... I, love, I don't love God problem or I'm not committed problem as much as we have a flesh problem. We've not understood... That we've got to go after the flesh and be relentless in our pursuit. We've got to run it down. And when you and I are mean to one another or you and I are judgmental or we're condescending to someone or we prejudge or we want to withdraw or we feel like we deserve more than what we've received, your flesh is in control. And I believe that we would just take this at heart today and do a couple of simple exercises every day, we could see the church rise out of the ashes. You see, what will happen if the flesh is in charge, you'll lose your joy, your hope, your victory, your vision, and even your reason for living. You know, the flesh is such a discouraging element to us, it will even convince us we have no reason to live. Why? Why will the flesh speak to us this way? Did you know your flesh wants nothing to do with the plan of God for your life? It despises it. You start talking about the plan of God and your flesh will show its fangs. (sighs) I hate that spiritual talk. See, we, don't, we really think our flesh is compatible with the Spirit. It's not. As a matter of fact, it's at an enmity. And any time you get in a service like this morning with the worship as jubilant as it was and as time of praise and thanksgiving was given to God... Your flesh will resist that. And he'll find whatever reason it can latch on to. Whether the music was too loud, too popping, too jumping. Whether the person next to you was too, you know, vibrant. Whether they were too expressive. Doesn't matter what it is. It'll latch on whatever it can to disengage you from a spiritual encounter. And then religion comes in and makes it all feel right. Self-right. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm right. Look at all these wrong people in this church this morning. I'm the only one right in here. Your flesh rises up and we think it's God. So we see this morning our flesh wants nothing to do with the plan of God for your life. In Romans 8 and 7, because the carnal mind is at enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. It can't even if been tried. So ladies and gentlemen, may I submit to us today, we better do something about this thing. If you want to go anywhere with God, if we want to be fulfilled in the destiny God has for us, we better do something about this thing. If we want to see signs and wonders and miracles, if we want to see a region saved, swept by the power of God, we better do something. If we want a generation that follows us to love God with all their heart, soul, and might, we better do something about our flesh. The church has a flesh problem. Now hopefully we'll get to the point in the sermon where you can really shout because right now it's a little uncomfortable. I know that because I'm not real happy with it either. But what is the flesh? Let me give you a definition because some of us don't even know. Here it is. It's the human nature deprived of the Holy Spirit and dominated by sin. The flesh is our human nature deprived of the Spirit of God and dominated by the power of sin. What can break that stranglehold On a life. How can you be free from the deprivation of the Spirit of God and the domination of sin? Oh, wretched man that I am, Paul said, who will set me free? (laughs) Getting ready to tell you. It is in direct conflict with your inner being. That's why Paul said, the thing that I will to do, I can't do. The thing that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Man, I'm mad at myself again. I can't believe I did it again. Because there's a part in us that absolutely despises the Holy Spirit. And the law of God. And unless that thing is put to death, it'll talk to you. It'll make you idle. It'll make you dependent upon others. That's why today I'm persuaded we've got all these mega superstars in the church. That we run after because we're too idle to get it for ourselves. So we got to go to the crusade to get it from somebody else who paid the price. Watch now. The flesh will tell you you know what? You're just too poor, you come from a city. That's too impoverished. You're too stupid. You're ugly. You're too uninteresting. You're too run-of-the-mill. You don't measure up. You've messed up so many times, who would give you another chance? Your flesh will tell you these things. Your flesh has a big mouth. It will attempt to convince you that no matter what you do, nothing in life will ever change. How many have ever believed that lie? Don't raise your hand. You and I have sometime, some time or some point in our life got to the place where we were in circumstances so big we began to believe that nothing will change. That's what your flesh will always tell you while your spirit's inside going, let me out, let
1: me out, let me
0: out. I believe God, we could do this. And your flesh goes, no way. Oh, I hate it when pastor says that. That really bothers me when he talks about how we're going to win this city. Wrong with him. Bothers you, doesn't it? Some are bothered about the fact that we need... $18,000 to go to Uganda. Man, that money could be given for some other... (laughs) And your flesh comes engaged in opposing what God is saying. This is where I believe faith comes in. Because when you read the word the Bible says, By his stripes you were healed. When you read the Bible that said virtue left him and that woman with the issue of the blood was healed. When you read your Bible and it says, When Jesus taught the power of the Lord was present to heal. When you become sick and you believe God for healing, your flesh goes, Ain't going to happen for you. You're a lost cause, man. You're too poor. You're too stupid. You're too ugly. You're too insignificant. You're too little. You're a mess. You have to fight through that, don't you? You have to fight through that as why I deserve to be healed. Why would God touch me? I mean, who am I? And that's where faith comes in. But you can't overpower the flesh with faith. Uh oh! You have to do one thing to the flesh. The only thing that will shut its mouth is it has to be killed. I'm aiming to commit some murder in here this morning. (laughs) Now don't get me wrong and don't take it out of context and put it on the news or on the internet. Go to church on the north coast because the pastor there wants to kill everybody. (laughs) I knew something was up when that hair started growing. (laughs) By golly, I knew. We have to check it in at the gate of thanksgiving and at the courts of his praise every day. You know, every day in the morning... I'm usually up early. You know what my assignment is in the morning? Self-imposed. My assignment is to make two pots of coffee every morning. I have a routine. I turn on the filter on my faucet and I start the water running and put the pot under it. While it's filling slowly, I go into the cupboard and take out the filter grab Tina's regular coffee and the, and the scoop, and I place it down and I put in the amount of coffee that's necessary while the water is filling with one eye on the water and one eye on the scooping. You should see me, I'm like a genius at this. <laughs> about the time the water's right about to be filled and running over, I've completed my task with the filter, throw it shut, turn the water off, in one fluid motion, pick up the water pot and put it in the coffee, hit the button and say, ah, glory to God. Did you know I don't even have to think about it anymore? (laughs) I'm a good coffee maker. When hers is done, I make certain that hers is first because she has to have it when she gets out of bed. Gets out of bed in the morning like this. And I walk up and I give her a cup. Say, here, baby, drink, drink, drink. (laughs) She starts to drink and the other eye opens up. (laughs) She said, hi, good morning. How are you? I love you. And I said, hallelujah. I love you too. (laughs) As soon as that's done, I pop it in the other pot and I I repeat it again. When I'm going through my routine in the morning and I'm taking my shower and I'm doing all this and I... We get the toothbrush out and I put the toothpaste on my brush and I take her brush and I put toothpaste on it for her. So when she comes into the bathroom, all she gotta do is isn't that cool? All you gotta do is pick up the toothbrush and she just brushes her teeth, and I make sure I put a little water on it in case it doesn't get dried out, you know, so it's moist when she puts it on her teeth. Now some of you guys need to do this for your woman. You? But anyway, it's a routine. It's a routine. I get up, I get my coffee, it's decaf. Don't ask me why I make decaf in the morning and drink it. It doesn't make no sense, does it? I just like the taste. And I get my coffee and I go into the room and I sit down and I pick up my journal and I make entry into my journal or add to my entry from the day before and I get my Bible out and I pick up where I left off. Right now I'm just finishing up uh, Ezekiel and I know exactly where I'm at. My pen is right in that spot and I go to it, and then I read a psalm, and I read a proverb, and then I get on my knees, and I begin to pray, to I put my face in the same pillow every morning. It's routine. But somewhere along the line, between the coffee, the cup, the toothbrush, and the journal, I've got to check in my flesh. Because you could go through all those routines and still not become like Jesus. That's what explains to me the people that come to church for 20 years and they're just ornery. They're mean. Now gone, you go to some churches, it's like, dude, are you (laughs) saved? Yeah, I'm saved, man. Sanctified through the Holy Spirit, man. I say, you are? Whoo! You don't act like it. Because the flesh is ruling. They're what Paul called carnal Christians. And that's why the church doesn't rise. Because the flesh doesn't have time for the things of the Spirit. Generally speaking today, not this church, because this is a great church. All them other churches out there. (laughs) Really, we're idols. With me quickly, Romans chapter 6, verse 11 again. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead and indeed to to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Reckon. Say reckon. Reckon. That's a different word, isn't it? We don't use it that often, but Paul was saying, grab hold of the power of God to change the way you're thinking. You and I have got to begin to refuse the poor me mentality. The disadvantaged mentality. The abandoned mentality. The abused mentality. The nobody loves me mentality. I'm a failure, not worthy mentality. That comes from your flesh. And it's not God. Here's what the word reckon means means to consider, to think, to deem, to regard, to count something as done. In other words, to think a different way about your life. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, Paul said. And the life I now live I live by what? Faith in Christ. I've crucified my flesh. It is an act of reckoning. It is an act of mental reckoning. Recognize the fact that it has been crucified. The moment I recognize one of the traits of my flesh, I must talk to it. I must say, flesh, you're not permitted life here. You're not in charge. Jesus is in charge. I took you to the cross on April 21st, 1974, and you were crucified with Christ. How dare you come back off that cross? Now get back on the cross. If you don't talk to yourself like that, your flesh will take over. rule. You'll fall into the category of one of those ten characteristics of the idleness of the flesh. That's why we have problems in the church, you know. That's why we have conflicts. It's flesh. When people get angry in the church and they leave, it's just the flesh. Now you can glaze it over with some icing or some whitewash and say God told you to leave. You know that's not true. The problem is your flesh is telling you what to do. And you're listening. There should never be a conflict in the church. Because in the Spirit, we prefer and honor one another. We forgive and we're tender and we're kind one to another in the Spirit, right? Who would ever want to leave a place where all that's happening? In the Greek tense of the word reckon there is how it's uh, written in in the Scripture. It means a continual thing. A daily routine: make the coffee, give Tina her cup, put the toothbrush and the uh, toothpaste on the brush, get your Bible, enter your journal, reckon yourself dead. <coughs> Don't leave home without your "reckon yourself dead" card. I'm serious. We have not taken it seriously. We've not looked in the mirror and say, Louis, you better listen to me. I'm telling you now, through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, you no longer live, but it's now Christ that lives in you. And the life you'll live today, you'll live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for you and who loves you. Do you got that? Otherwise, otherwise, slip in. Slip in. i be on the highway, somebody cuts you off. Might be at the grocer, might be at work when you get a certain call, or a particular co-worker, you know? Or it might be a doctor's report that said you won't. And you can't, and your flesh goes, Oh, I'm finished. It's over. Wait, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you went up to church on the North Coast. I thought you heard about faith. I thought you hear. And you even say amen in the service. And now you're saying it's over. How is it over? Because your flesh Refuses to fight. Your flesh will always accommodate the easiest pathway out. The pathway of least resistance. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Is it all right? I know this isn't exactly a a camp meeting sermon, but do you understand what I'm talking about? All right, now watch, watch, because I'm almost done. He said, Reckon yourself what? Dead. Dead to what? But alive to what? Alive to God. Righteousness. So therefore, I've got to every day reckon myself dead to sin and alive to God. I don't know how many funerals I've done over the last 30-some years, but i tell you what, too many. I don't like them. Never did from the first one, from the last one I just performed. I don't like them. I'd rather do anything else but call somebody else. I don't want to do them second on my list is weddings. They're tough. You know why they're tough? Because there's two families trying to come together. Now, it's not a problem with the married people. It's the married people's families. But that's another story. Let's go back to the funeral. Well, I think they ought to stand over here. No, I think they ought to stand over there. I'm standing there going, look, somebody stand somewhere. (laughs) Oh, there's a lot of flesh up in here tonight. Anyway, have you ever been to a funeral where people are like emotionally undone? I mean, it's so sad. I I feel, I just feel for them. They come in and they they walk in and they see their loved one for the first time and they just lose it. And they collapse. I've even seen people try to climb inside and grab hold of their loved one. I'm serious. Think of God. You don't. You can't. Don't. Don't. You know. And what do you do? Do you tell them no? Do you tell them? And and they're they're looking at. They're touching their faces. Sweetheart. Sweetheart. sweetheart I love you so much. I love you. I love you. And they're just. I mean, there's all this emotion on the one side of it. You know, tears are falling down on the corpse. They're, they're, they're ruffling the hair. The glasses are sideways on the face. You know, they can't... It's like, what? What's going on? And that corpse just lays there. Did you know the word reckon yourself dead is from the Greek word where we get corpse? So here's what Paul's saying. Every day in your mind, think yourself To be a corpse. Now what does a corpse have? No heartbeat. No vitals. No smile. Unless they put one on you. You know them fake smiles. No life. You could take a feather and tickle under the nose of that corpse. And you know what? They would never sneeze. They wouldn't move. They wouldn't laugh. Why? Well, pastor, it's obvious. They're dead! And that's exactly what Paul was saying you and I have to do every day. Reckon ourselves to be a corpse. A corpse. A human corpse. Non-responsive to sin. Listen to this. Just as just as non-responsive to sin as a dead person is to life. How do we do that? We refuse lying ins- insinuations. We speak to ourselves this scripture and we command our flesh to shut up. Remind it, it lost its power and rule at the cross. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many believe that? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The next time you say you can't, I want you to exchange the T in that word can't and I want you to put in there the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the next time your flesh says you can't, I want them to see, and I want you to see, and I want your flesh to see the cross that says I can do all things through Jesus Christ. Tell your lazy, idle, complaining flesh to stop And you know, some of us, we don't really feel that poorly about our flesh. We've kind of like it. Hey, Pastor, you're talking about saying goodbye to a very good friend. <laughs> We've been buds for a long time. Now you're telling me to cut off this relationship? <laughs> I'm begging. Will there be days where the flesh will have a comeback? Yes. But you've got to throw him back where he belongs. How many times will I have to do this, preacher? Daily. Paul, the great apostle, says, I die... Say it with me. I die... Daily. Daily. Every 24 hours, I've got to die. Every 24 hours, I've got to have, she's got to have her coffee. Every 24 hours, I've got to die. If Paul, the apostle, had to die every 24 hours. Come on, church. Yeah, yeah. Right. Romans 6.13 says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. Present yourself, present yourself as being dead to sin. I've got to be dead to sin. In closing, two things in order to maximize the impact of your Christian life. Number one, take authority over your flesh and refuse the easy path that it offers. I'll give you a simple illustration. Sometimes I'll go into a room in our home and I go to sit down. On the way there, I'll see a toy left from when the children were there a, week, a couple days or a week later. And I think, oh my gosh, look, there's a toy. And I go sit down. And I think, you know, I should have put that away. And inside, something says, you can do that later. Or it'll say, tito will get it. <laughs> or it says, those kids come back, they're going to pick up these toys. <laughs> the characteristics of our flesh are so subtle and we become so common and so Uh, comfortable with them, we don't even recognize when it's beginning to operate in our life. We just think it's the way we are. It's the flesh. Because it's a tendency for idleness. It's to blame others. It is to get someone to do for us that which we could do ourselves. So every once in a while, I win the victory. And I tell myself, get up and pick that toy up and put it away. So she doesn't have to do it. All right. Be right back, God. I was reading my Bible too. (laughs) Put my Bible down. I walk over there and pick up a little plastic nothing and put it back in the toy box and go back and sit down. And God says, I love the way you serve your wife. Yeah, God, I'm pretty cool. I? Woo! Jesus. And then when Tina comes down, she doesn't even know it was there. She didn't know I picked it up. And so I've got to say something. I say, baby, do you notice anything different in here? Because <laughs> the flesh wants to pump it up, right? Somebody tell me how good I am, please. Number two. Yield yourself to God every day. Then your body, mind, and emotions cease to be a slave to your flesh. Yield your body. Yield your life to God every day. Don't let anger control you. Don't let resentment control you. Don't let blame and pointing of fingers to others control you. Don't let futility take over your life and your mind, thinking that you'll never see a change. That's a lie from the devil. And God wants to do miraculous things. This morning, I'm going to ask you to help me do something that God told me to do, and I can't do myself. I need people who are willing to help send me to Uganda for nothing other than connection and covenant of heart. And say, Pastor, if all I can give is a dollar, I'll give it. And so our ushers are going to come this morning and I'm going to receive a special gift that will go towards facilitating the pastor's conference this year, the orphanage, the interior displaced people's camps where we'll be doing portable Bible schools the trips and mission into the Sudan, helping me to pay the expenses along the way to rent a van, a driver, all of the details of this great trip. Maybe today God's speaking to you to say, you know what, write a check that's significant. <laughs> Sow into missions like you've never done before. I promise you every penny that you give today will go in its entirety into missions. Every part of it will go towards this trip. So, Father, thank you for the faithfulness of your people. Ushers, come. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen? Now, don't get disappointed about the old shave it, shave it thing. It's okay. It'll be all right. I just felt... (laughs) pretty good. There you go. Which one do you prefer? You know what I look like? I kind of look like that guy on that one Howie Howie Mandel thing, don't I? Deal or no deal? Huh? What do you think? If it gets that long on the left, I'll never do that. I'll put it in a ponytail so you don't freak out, okay? Thank you so much. Take that off the screen. (laughs) Jordan Latikos, you are in big trouble because I know that was you. Oh, it was Tristan. You're not going to Africa with me. Forget it. All right. That's kind of funny. They didn't even know that I was canceling the campaign. Nobody knew, really. And they had that ready. Pastor Troy, you and I will talk later, too, because I know you had to tell him it was all right. <laughs> Thank you for your gifts. We're going to close the service this morning. Pray with us as we travel from here to Beechwood. Your other part of the family is waiting on us over there. And... Uh, Thank God for the ministry over there. Also, I wanted to say a hearty welcome to a dear, dear lady that's back from Florida. Mr. Sophie Burris is here, looking as beautiful as always. Sophie, could you stand and just wave at everybody? This is a beautiful lady that we love so much. Good to see you, Sophie. And I see another special lady here today. A dear, dear friend of the ministry and lifelong, really resident of CNC. Brittany's here. So, Brittany, stand up. Come on, wave at everybody. She's here for mom's birthday. And I also wanted to welcome Robert, Laura Schumann's brother, all the way from Texas. We met just this week when Laura was walking. Would you mind standing, Robert? Just waving at the people. God bless you and welcome you get a chance, welcome Robert. He is here with his children to support his sister Laura as she's making her way back to wholeness. And I went to visit her this week and I came into the PT room and lo and behold, she was walking like she's a champion. And I said, God, you are a good God. She's going to be fully restored. Amen. So right now, Pastor Troy is going to come. Before we leave, if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, Boy, why don't you receive him today? I want to tell you guys that were baptized today how good you made me feel. You brought me to tears. I want to say thank you for your obedience to the Word of God. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. That was awesome. Let's build this church. Let's reckon ourselves dead to sin every day. And let's win somebody for Christ between now and to the end of the year. Will you covenant with me? Yeah. I think we can do it. Everybody, win one soul to Jesus. I believe God's doing that in unique ways. God bless you. Have a great day, Pastor Troy. Come on and close the service.
1: Amen. Church I'm on the North Coast, did you enjoy the message today? <laughs> that was amazing as I was sitting there I leaned over to Bruce I said Bruce this message this is set a city free and if you if you you fell asleep you missed it but this message it can set a city free because we could really have revival if we wanted it I want it so bad went to South Africa and I saw 75,000 gather and worship 75,000 that's that's the Cleveland Browns stadium full of nothing but the church, black, white, yellow, green, full, screaming, praises resounding from miles and miles and miles, traffic jams, canceling work, businesses closing down. It could, it could happen. But well, what it's going to take is it's going to take you and me, and the person to the right, and the person to the left, repenting. Considering ourselves finished, dead. Saying, I, I don't, I don't want to live anymore like that. Jesus, take me. My destiny is in your hands. Speak every moment to me, make me obedient. I had this experience yesterday actually you know those red box things you know where you go and you rent a movie well sometimes you have to uh, wait in line as you rent the movie and uh, I I try to be considerate of the person that's that's there and not get out and kind of stand over top of them so I was just kind of waiting you know and and then but then there are other people pulled up so you're like you got it I'm next Well, was this one fellow there and he was he was a good old boy I like it old boys. I am a good old boy. But I can I can go I could go in or I could come out. You know, I can I can ride both sides of the fence, you know, I can I can dress like this and then I can put on my camo and go kill a deer. I can do that. I got it like that. And then I could play basketball too. But I just I'm a weird character. So so I was dressed kind of like this. But he was he so he turned around and looked at me, and he get, he was like he didn't like me. He was kind of gave me a look and I was like hey what's up just gonna... and then he didn't like he was angry like this dude was just angry and I was just like I look back at back I'm like what did I do I'm just standing here man I'm, and I'm not even that close to you I'm over here you know and uh so he gets his one movie and he walks away but then I noticed that there's another movie coming out you know and I'm like excuse me Forgot your movie <laughs> And he's like and then he then then I was polite I was I, I passed the test. I passed the test. I didn't get angry, I didn't I didn't I didn't shove back I was like hey man you forgot your movie dude and he was like oh yeah you know he kinda had to eat it at that point but I was like Have a great day man Next time I wear my camo We gotta pass the test you just got to consider yourself dead church. We got to die. We have to we have to die. We have to we have to say, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm tired. It doesn't matter how I feel. So this morning, why don't we do this? Come on everybody stand up this morning. Why don't we do this? The Bible says this. He who has the son has life. It says if you have the, if you have Jesus, you have life. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. So if you're one of those people this morning, you came in here and you don't have them. How do you know if you have them? Because if you have them, you're alive. If you have them, everything's full of life. There's nothing negative. There's nothing you can't overcome. Because if you have them, if he's on the inside, there's nothing that you can't overcome. There's no depression that can get on you. So if you don't have them this morning, I mean really have them. I mean locked up. Put inside your pocket. I mean, just wrap them up. Tie them up with a chain and take them home today. Don't leave here today without him. Don't, don't leave here today dead. Leave here today alive. Our altar ministers are coming. They want to pray with you. If you do not have him, we want you to have him. It's a very personal experience. And we want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. But here's what the rest of us need to do. We need to die. I've never thought about killing myself. I've never been I've never been suicidal, I've been homicidal. <laughs> so let's let's kill the flesh this morning. Everyone together. Everyone church. However you want to do it. If you want to turn around in your seat and you want to bow a knee. If you just want to stand there and you want to bow your head. But you have to die today. Come on together as the church. Let's reckon ourselves dead. Let's do do it right now. Jesus, we count ourselves as dead. We declare this morning, right here, on this day, God, on this Sunday, we declare that we are finished, that our flesh is dead. We no longer want it to operate in our lives. We desire personal revival, so that way national revival can come to us. We want our families families to be revived today, and we know that it can only come when we kill our flesh. And so we kill it this morning. We We say to our flesh, you are crucified we lay it down right now this is a significant day this marks the beginning of life abundant life for every one of us God we thank you God this for this day that you've given us we thank you for the abundant life that you've blessed us with we praise God we praise God today we praise you Lord and we declare that you have all authority in our life now take it and revive a nation take it and revive this city take it and revive our schools take it and revive this city take it now and revive every place where we go make life come make life come to deadness let make life come to everything that we touch that is dead today we give you praise and glory in jesus name in all of the church said amen come on give them a thunderous praise today jesus you are lord hallelujah if you need prayer we want to pray with you before you leave. If you not in, if you're not in a small group, we want you to be in a small group. If you if you need answers about baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need the endowment of power. You need that. It's like, you know, salvation's like having the gun, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit's like having the bullets. Now you got something to shoot. So if you need answers about that, you can visit that table back there. If you need um, information on the deliverance team, all that back there at the table, the lit tables. Our elders want to meet with you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Let Jesus talk to you. Let Jesus talk through you this week. God bless you as you go. The altars are open. Come for prayer.